Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, November 27, 2017, and today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page XXVII, the last paragraph, which begins, of course, an alcoholic ought to be free. Um, today's readers are Kathy G. on the 12 Steps, Lindsay B. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Kathleen O., Millie D., and Deb W. The reference numbers for yesterday and this morning, for yesterday's special edition, uh, November 26th is 10,714, and the share ID for this morning's 7 a.m. meeting, November 27th, is 10,716. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Kathy G. to read the 12 steps of OA. Press star one, Kathy. Oh, thank you so much, Kathy. This is Kathy G. from Illinois. Grateful to be here today. Um, here are the 12 steps as adapted for Overeaters Anonymous. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me read today. I pass. Thank you, Kathy G. And I will now ask Lindsay B. to read our 12 traditions. Good morning, fellow visioners. This is uh, Lindsay, recovering compulsive overeater from New Hampshire. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. 
personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups as OA or as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for this opportunity. I pass. Thank you, Lindsay B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page XVII, um, the third paragraph down. And I will ask Kathleen O to get us started. Good morning. This is Kathleen O. Um, of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor. And this often requires a definite hospital procedure before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. We believe, and so suggested a few years ago, that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy, that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. And once having formed the habit and found they cannot break it, once having lost their self-confidence, their reliance upon things human, their problems pile up on them and become astonishingly difficult to solve. Frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. The message which can interest and hold these alcoholic people must have depth and weight. In nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. And good morning, everyone. This is Kathleen O, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California, and I'm going to start my timer here. So, of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor. And, of course, I needed to put the food down. I needed to be as sober from food as an alcoholic needed to be sober from alcohol. There was no way I could work these steps without entire abstinence. I needed a clear head because the bigger problem was in my head, the obsession of the mind. And um, a manifestation of an allergy. So an allergy is an abnormal reaction to any food, liquor, 
sorry, liquid or substance. And for me, that was flour, sugar, fat, diet sodas, sweeteners, and volume. Um, you know, I had proved over and over with weight gained and lost over and over that I had an abnormal reaction to certain foods. I liked the effect certain foods had on me, that awe feeling. And with certain foods, I could numb the feelings that made me uncomfortable. And it says here that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. Well, something happens in my body if I ingest certain foods. And once I start, I can't stop. And I cannot start eating these foods without developing that phenomenon of craving. And, and that's because the problem's in my mind. My head will always tell me that this time I'll only have one cookie or one piece of pie. You know, look around me. Those people can eat one piece. So can I. And, you know, a normal eater can feel angry or irritable or resentful or fearful. And they can have something like a piece of chocolate and be fine. But when I experience these feelings, I can't stand the feeling. And the only thing that would bring me ease and comfort was a piece of chocolate. Um, but I wasn't fine. That phenomenon of craving would kick in, and I just couldn't stop. I'd have to eat the entire bag of chocolate or the entire chocolate cake or the entire bag of cookies. And the first step I needed to take to stop eating the entire box or carton was entire abstinence. And, um, you know, frothy emotional peel seldom suffices. I used to hear this all the time. Can't you have just one? Try this diet. Just eat sweets on weekends. And, and then guess what? Once I lost the weight, this is what I hear now. Oh, you're thin now. Surely you can have a slice of, pie, of pie or a piece of something. You know, you sure you don't want some? You're never going to eat flour and sugar again? <laughs> so the message which can interest and hold these alcoholic people must have depth and weight. If I don't stay connected to a higher power daily, if I don't work these steps daily, if I don't work with others daily, I will start to have thoughts that I can eat foods I see others eating with impunity. So I had to conceive my problem is never going to change. You know, I'm never going to be cured. I, I've, I've conceded that it's as likely I will wake up a normal eater as it is I will wake up with blue eyes. And it just isn't going to happen. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kathleen O. Okay, let me take a few names of people who would like to. Laura M. Long Island. I'm sorry, I didn't get your name. Laura M. New York. Okay, Laura M. Suji. Suji. From Michigan. Elaine B. Elaine B. Veronica. Ginger C. Ginger C. And I think I heard Fred. Stacy. Is that it? Carolyn C. Carolyn C. Was there someone before Ginger by the name of Frederica? No, Veronica. Veronica. I'm sorry, Veronica. What's your first initial of your last name? B. Okay, great. Okay, we'll stop there. So we have Laura M. Sue G. Elaine B. Ginger C, Carolyn C, and Veronica V. Please go ahead, Laura M. Good morning, everybody. This is Laura M. from New York. I'm really grateful to be on the line this morning. Um, I like this passage. You can hear me, okay? Yes? Yes, I can. Okay. Let's be sure I'm still unmuted. Um, for me, my experience with, in reading this, um, of course, the alcoholic ought to be freed from the physical craving. And um, for me, I absolutely needed to put the food down and before any type of psychological um, measure could be of any benefit. And um, one of the lines that that's, uh, comes out to me here is these allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form. And regarding my alcoholic foods, um, if I were to choose to pick up or have them, that I can't promise wouldn't happen, but I can promise that it would never happen safely and that at some point I would be off to the races, my attitude would change, um, my brain would change, my thinking would change. And um, those habits um, are habits that I can't break. Um, and once... I'm off to the races, if you will. My reliance um, is over upon things human. Um, it becomes self-pity, self-centered, self-destruction, fear, dishonesty, all of it. And um, it does, it piles up. It really does pile up. 
Um, regarding this fourth the emotional appeal, um, for years and years, same thing. Oh, you know, just lose some weight, just go on a diet. Oh, she has such a pretty face, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I have found it every single time, um, in and out, in and out over the years. Uh, it is when I am grounded in a power greater than myself um, that my life can be re- recreated. And um, unless that happens, um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stay abstinent. So um, thank you for this great passage, allowing me to share. Have a great day, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Laura M. Suji, please go ahead. Hi, good good morning. This is Suji from Michigan, recovered by the grace of God. And uh, if it were not for the grace of God, I don't know where I would be right now. I probably would be in a hospital somewhere with some... With, I don't know. I I just know that I was headed in the wrong direction. But I was reading this, and I I hadn't caught before. Uh, once having formed the habit and found they could not break it, once having lost their self confidence, their reliance upon human, their problems pile up on them, become astonishingly astonishingly difficult to solve. Now we often you know. Mentioned step one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. But we we don't seem to uh, as often put in the other half of step one, that our lives have become unmanageable. And that's what happened to me. Um, you know, I, I can't safely use my alcoholic foods in any form. And um, once I start giving in to little bits and pieces here and there, I find that I, I can't I can't break it. Um, it may not be for another week that I have it, but then I start wanting it again. And I, instead of trusting God, I start trusting my own little voice that's in my head uh, that's telling me that it's okay, it's okay. And... Um, I do lose all self-confidence. In fact, maybe it's self-confidence that I think I have. I I lose self-confidence, in, you know, I lose confidence in the program. I lose confidence in my ability to follow the program. Um, and I want to follow it perfectly. And, and um, my sponsor keeps telling me I'm not perfect. And I'm not going to be able to follow it perfectly. Um, so... That gives me hope, and um, my problems do pile up on me then. And then I go running to God, and he says, well, where's your food been? Where have you been before, you know, when things are going all right? How come you wait until things are giving you problems to come running to me for help? But it's in coming to him for help that I can return to uh, a full program again. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Suji. Elaine B., please go ahead. Thank you so much for your service, Kathy. This is Elaine B., recovered in Massachusetts, also by the grace of God. Thank you, God. Um, You know that phenomenon of craving um, for liquor and often requires a definite hospital procedure, you know, it's easy, I think, to identify out. You know, when they talk about it's imperative that a man's brain be cleared um, before he can accept spiritual help. And, you know, it's easy. It's like those are gutter drunk alcoholics. That's not like me. Food doesn't do that to me, you know. And I remember after I did put down my alcoholic foods, it was maybe two months later, maybe even three, I woke up one morning and it was like every cell in my body had come alive. It took me that long to detox detox everything out of my system, but it gave me a feel for what um, that stuff could was doing to me. I didn't know my brain was as fogged as it was. And that allergy of the body, you know what I I say with emotion, (laughs) I was at a meeting on Saturday and a woman I respect and admire in the rooms 
30 years of abstinence and she's facing some changes in her life and she admitted that she had picked up 30 years of abstinence you know we can never ever safely use this she couldn't stop she was afraid you know it started on thanksgiving and it had lasted through the next couple days and oh my goodness boy you know this is a cunning baffling and powerful disease and we need to understand that um you know it's deadly and we don't have to stay in it we don't have to stay there we may be on be beyond human aid beyond the help of a a food sponsor or lots of meetings or group support or whatever um, but there is a power greater than ourselves that can pull us <laughs> from the gates of hell the, the these gates of insanity and that is where my i need to be grounded today in a power greater than myself and um you know when i came in to put down the food i didn't think i'd be recreating my life and it's really not me that's recreating it. It's my creator putting me back to what I was created to be. And how does that happen? Page 100 promise. Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world no matter what your present circumstances. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine. Uh, Ginger C., please go ahead. Hi, good morning, Kathy. Thank you for your service. Ginger C., recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. So we believe and so suggested a few years ago that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy and that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all, liquid or solid. So when I took my daughter out to the Boston, um, we went to the OA World Convention and celebrated her 21st birthday, and we went out one night, and she had chocolate cake. And she ate maybe half of it. And of course, as a food addict, a compulsive, real compulsive overeater, I just kept staring at the plate, wondering when she was going to finish that cake. So I asked her, and she said, you know, I'm full. I don't want any more, and it's actually a little too rich. Okay, those are words that are not in my mind. Nothing was ever too rich, and I never was able to stop once I started. So it clearly showed me that my daughter does not have my problem. Because a normal person, when they feel the effect, they can stop. It seems like they have tremendous willpower. But me as a real compulsive overeater, I want more. I'm just priming the pump. Are you kidding me? Those bites, those beginning bites? I'll finish that slice of cake, and then I'll go to the bakery and buy a whole cake. I don't stop. I get sick. I feel sick. And then I take, you know, do whatever I have to do, usually eat some Tums to help my stomach feel better because I can't stop, and I just keep eating. You know, we want more. So if a little feels good, more will feel better. But again, the problem is, is once that bite comes in, I can't stop and I can't stop from starting. So entire abstinence, that is our only suggestion. An entire means entire. And I never saw that component before. I always wanted to have my cake and eat it too in OA. And you can't do it. If you want to have these results, you've got to put the food down and you've got to do it entirely. But that's the gift and that's the miracle because once you do that and that allergy isn't getting tripped up in you, guess what? You're not going to keep relapsing because there's nothing in there to get you to go back out. But a lot of people having trouble with that step zero and it is so vital if you're beginning to beginnings. So if you're in the food today, put the fork down, say goodbye, have that funeral. 
write a letter, say goodbye to the food in a way you've never done before. Because as long as it keeps coming in, liquid or solid, it will absolutely keep taking you out. And I am so grateful for the desperation that I finally got to from all the research I had to do because I'm no longer willing to mess around with this disease. It wants to kill me, and I know it, and I have fully conceded from my head to my heart. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. Carolyn C., please go ahead. Hi, Kathy. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Great. Thank you so much for your service, and thank you to everyone on the line. This is Carolyn C., recovered for today in Colorado. Um, I'm, I love this little passage. I'm just I'm remembering a year or so ago or however long ago it was when this was read, and I was not, I don't believe I shared, but I remember hearing all this stuff about the frothy emotional appeal. And, um, you know, it took me a while to figure out what my abstinent foods were, more importantly, and this is a thing that keeps coming up with conversations with other people in program, were my abstinent behaviors. You know, I had I had some pretty intense behaviors around food that would trigger my, you know, what I would eat and when I would eat and those those things as well. And so it was just as important for me to figure that out, which I which I mostly figured out, you know, from going to program, listening to people who have been recovered, and a special edition in December of 2016 by Esther C. Um, I think it was Esther C. or Esther F. Anyway, um, it was on, she talked about honest abstinence. And I'm getting back to the frothy emotional appeal, but when I started thinking about that, it, it helped me realize what are the foods, what are the behaviors that I need to really go to God with and sit with no one else could tell me what those were because everybody's different in this program and i think that's what is so challenging when we're trying to think about putting down the food and the bigger thing was i had to make the connection that for me food and the frothy emotional appeal when people would try to get me to eat something were were a direct correlation with love and i felt loved and I was showing people that I loved them if I ate the food. And you know what? I wasn't loving myself. And I had a love-hate relationship with food. I would love to make the pan of brownies, and then I would just just beat myself up as I ate one after the other and one crumb and one, you know, a crumb was the size of a freaking brownie. <laughs> but now I... I love my relationship with food. I love my relationship with people. I love that when people offer me food, I can say, you know what, that doesn't agree with me, but do you have something else? You know, I don't have to eat something to make someone else happy because it doesn't make me happy. And it's not what God wants for me or the universe or whatever you want to call God. Um, but it definitely was coming to a power greater than myself, being willing to address those things that did not get me closer to a higher power, and then just doing the steps like my life depended on it. I'm so grateful for this program, and I hope if you are just new in this program or you're still struggling with the food, that you continue to come back and you continue to do the work because your love for your life depends on it. And I hope you all have a beautiful, blessed day. Thank you so much for letting me share. And I pass. Sorry, I was muted. Thank you, Carolyn C. And Veronica V., please go ahead. Hi, good morning. This is Veronica. And I want to thank all of you for your beautiful share. This is the very, very first time that I'm going to share after more than one year behind the line. Too scared, too shy to share, but okay. Today I'm going to start doing different things to get different results. And this thing, um, the hard part for me to accept uh, I'm different than the other people. 
sometimes I get abstinent for a month, two, three weeks, and I talk to a compulsive eater, and I ask them, how, how is it, uh, the, the diagnosis for you is a problem? And some of them, all, all of us are different. And some of them say, oh, no, I can't take one a day or once in a while. And my mind starts telling me, you see, they can drink it with no problem. You can drink it too. She's a compulsive eater. She's recovered now. She can take one. My mind, my mind is my biggest problem. And I start drinking, and I relapse. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of good excuses to start eating my bench food, but <clears throat> it is a lot of help for me because when I heard the stories that say that they've been like going back, going back for years, that's my story. But they recover now, so this is my my place. I I've been in a different uh, compulsive overeaters programs. But this is my home. I feel in my heart. Even when I didn't understand that much English because I'm studying English and I've been waiting this moment for years to share something, I'm shaking, but that's okay. Um, but thanks all of you because sometimes I've been crying, laughing, uh, meditating about your shares. But there is a lot of help for me because I, I didn't do it anywhere. And this is the place because I love the way they talk about spirituality, the new relation with God, with people, the new life you have. Thank you so much, and I hope you understand what I tried to say. <laughs> with that, I passed. Thank you, Veronica V. Thanks so much for your share. Okay, we can take some more names now. Who would like to share? Stacy T. Stacy T. And did I hear Larry? Mary K. Marin K. Sherry K. B. Oh, Sherry K. B. Joanne B. K. Donna W. Donna W. Did I hear Kathy. a win? Joanne K. Marin K. And Joanne. I got Marin, Joanne. What's your initial, Joanne? B. B, okay. Ellen C.G. Ellen C.G. Okay, you. here's who I have, and if I missed you, please let me know. Stacy T., Sherry K.B., Marin K., Donna W., Joanne C., and Ellen C.G. Is there someone else? Kathy R. Okay, and that will probably take us till the end. Thank you, Kathy. Stacy T., please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Thanks for your service. My name is Stacy T. I'm a recovering compulsive eater in Cleveland, Ohio. <clears throat> and each time I read the doctor's opinion, no matter how many times, um, I continue to uh, get something different. And today I looked up in the Big Book Dictionary about frothy emotional appeal. And <clears throat> um, one of the words is agitated. Um, and it's frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. And for decades <clears throat> I made frothy emotional appeal um, to non-compulsive overeaters as well as to those in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. And what I was willing to do was put down the food. What I wasn't willing to do was to put down the food. <laughs> I didn't have an action. I didn't have the steps. I didn't really have the depth and weight explained to me in the way that the doctor opinion doctor's opinion, I should say, <clears throat> is laying out for us now. The other piece that um, had me bristling is that their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives 
And that continues to be a bit of a problem as I'm newly um, aligned with a power greater than me. And what I'm reminded of from my sponsor is that as I continue to grow in my recovery, um, that this will become more and more evident and natural and um, will become um, more automatic for me. Maybe not all of the time, but certainly more than it is for me. And in that way, I have a lot of hope. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Stacey T. Um, Sherry KB, please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California. Grateful, recovered, compulsive ever either. Thank you so much for your service, Kathy, and everybody on the line. And welcome to Monday, and uh, welcome newcomers. Um, I, I love what it says. Of course, it's like saying, like, duh. Of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical cravings. Um, because if if we're not freed from our compulsive food uh, foods behaviors trigger foods binge foods that you know that no psycho psychological measures can be mac be of maximum benefit and to me you know I can't relate to the hospital thing but I know that if I don't put the food down I cannot do this work and to me psychological measures is talking about the twelve steps. Um, what it's telling me here is that I have an allergy and that I'm I'm different than normal eaters, like people who can go to Thanksgiving and eat to their heart's content and just be benching out for one day, and they're done. They're done, but not somebody like me. Uh, once I start, once I get a, a allergic food in my system, the craving kicks in, and I'm off to the races. And so it's telling me that these allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. So any alcoholic food that sets up a craving in my body, they're telling me I can never use this food again, no matter what. doesn't matter how many years I've been abstinent. Um, doesn't ha- matter how many years I've been off certain things. doesn't matter that I've gotten to my goal weight. doesn't matter. All of this doesn't matter because this will always be there. Um, we hear on the line a lot about once you turn from a cucumber to a pickle, you can never turn back to a cucumber, um, and that's me. I, I can't, I can never pick up these foods again if I want to stay abstinent happily, and I can't use them in any form at all. Also, it talks about reliance upon human aid that you know we lose our our self-confidence and everything unless we rely on a power greater than ourselves to solve our problem because I can't do it. I've I've white-knuckle abstinent it, definitely, with my self-will, but I haven't been abstinent happily. And so it's telling me also that frothy emotional appeal, which means kind of frivolous, when someone who doesn't understand my disease says, come on, Sherry, can't you just put the food down and you know, not do that again and, you know, just only have one bite or have one piece or whatever. And then, you know, I've lost weight and people go, well, can't you now eat that? I mean, what's wrong? You, you went for years. I told a, a, a relative of mine that I had been, hadn't had sweets in uh, six years and they were like, are you kidding me? I mean, they were like, come on, you can have it now, can't you? And so, you know, I need somebody who carries depth and weight to help me to understand my disease. And only a power greater than myself, grounded in a power greater than myself, can help me recreate my life. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. Marin K., please go ahead. Good morning. Marin K. from Los Angeles, a compulsive overeater, recovering bulimic anorexic. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, everybody who shared. The big book is like my Bible. Uh, The doctor's opinion says pretty much everything you need to know. Uh, It says, of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor, and it often requires a definite hospital procedure before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. I had to be put in a hospital before I could stop purging. I couldn't just go to OA. 
once I got off, uh, with the help of a program, though, because I had a sponsor, I was working the steps. I had been in eight different hospitals and could not stop doing my behaviors until I got the 12 steps and outside help. So what does this mean to me is that I couldn't get better without the 12 steps and, and outside help. Um, all the money in the world couldn't help me without the, the power greater than myself that I found within the book. Um, I found my power greater than myself through working with my sponsor uh, with the big book. Um, I am in a position right now, I have 23 years of no purging and anorexia, and I have about 90 days plus four weeks of no sugar. And um, I uh, don't know why, but I think I have a few alcoholic foods still. So I'm loving hearing people talk about what freedom really is about, and I and I know I need to put some things down. Um, it says here that it's an allergy, and that is the truth. It is an allergy. If I make a decision to purge and eat a lot of food, I am going to be dead. I'm going to go back into a hospital. I am going to not be able to stop. So... I am just grateful for Bob and Bill who wrote this, these books and help us learn how to navigate life without the use of our drugs and um, help each other get through life and also to find a power greater than ourselves who can help us live our lives. Uh, am I a happy camper all the time? No, I'm not. But I am, I am grateful as hell that I don't have my head in a toilet. And that's for 23 years. So... Thank you, everybody, and I'm grateful as as very grateful for these meetings. Thank you. Thank you, Marin K. Donna W., please go ahead. Hi, this is Donna W. in Palo Alto, California. Gratefully recovered for today and um, grateful recovered compulsive eater. So um, the thing that the big book tells us is that, you know, we cannot eat things that we see others eat with impunity. And that just pisses me off because, you know, um, I spent so much of my life saying, well, so-and-so can eat this and, um, and they can eat things and they can put the fork down and they can stop eating. And uh, someone else said, you know, they seem to have so much willpower, but they were just normal eaters. They didn't have the willpower. You know, now that I am recovered, people think that I have willpower. I don't have willpower. I have a higher power. So um, one of the things that um, I've realized for myself is that whenever I feel like I'm, quote, normal, that is a big trigger for me. So, for example, when I got to my goal weight, I'm like, great, I'm normal now. And um, to me, the definition of normal is that I can eat whatever I want, whenever I want, as much as I want, with no consequences. So it's pure fantasy what my, quote, normal is. Um, and so I also have to be careful with the food because I can take abstinent food, abstinent ingredients, and turn it into something I call sexy, you know, so that maybe it's like, oh, I can make a, quote, pumpkin pie, and it's all abstinent. And, but then I eat the, quote, pumpkin pie, and I feel like, oh, hey, I'm having pie like everyone else. I'm, quote, normal. And so then that really triggers me. So uh, part of my recovery has been that I cannot play with my abstinent foods to make them into sexy treats that other people can eat with impunity. I cannot even eat um, abstinent treats with impunity. I really have to just, you know, food needs to be fuel for me. It doesn't it's not about it being a treat. It's not about being sexy. It's not about having a party and having uh, fun with the food. It's really just, it, it has to be what fuels me. Um, as someone else shared, you know, now that I'm in recovery, I enjoy my food. I just so enjoyed my meals yesterday. I was hungry for my food. But, um, you know, and then I can feel when I'm hungry. I can feel when I'm full and put the fork down. So, um, but, uh, the, you know, I have to be really careful that I'm not trying to eat like a normal person because I'm not normal. And, um, and you know, I, am, I, I, have, I have a food addiction and um, I've had to change what I eat and how I eat dramatically. And I have food behaviors like I don't read or eat, read and eat, watch TV and eat. You know, eating is for eating. I eat and then I stop. I have at least four hours between my meals. Um, and, 
you know, ideally I'm sitting down at the table eating. So, um, and then another thing is, you know, I grew up in a household of compulsive eaters, uh, generations of compulsive eaters, and I really didn't know what a portion size was or what a meal beginning and end was or what breaks between meals were. So uh, having a food plan has really helped me to have healthy habits about, oh, this is, a, this is what a portion is. This is what a healthy meal is made of, of protein, carbohydrates, and fats, vegetables, et cetera. So I've learned, you know, a lot of really, you know, along with all the spiritual um, you know, parts of the program, I've learned some just real practical ways of eating that's healthy. I'm a healthy person now because of the program. And with that, I pass. Thank you all for being here for me today. Thank you, Donna W. Uh, Joanne C., please go ahead. Hi, this is Joanne B. from Texas. I'm a compulsive reader. And I just wanted to thank everyone for when they served by sharing. Um, you all just, I know you know, but how much it means to those who are listening. And uh, it means a lot to me because as I listen to you, I can learn so much. Um, I can prevent myself from going down different roads. And uh, I say I, but I don't mean myself. And I just thank you so much for giving your, your experience, strength, and hope. Um, I love you all. I appreciate everything that you all say and the hope that you give me. Um, and thank you. One day I'll learn how to share on the on the topic better. But in the meantime, I just love listening. Thank you so much. With that, I pass. Thank you, Joanne D. Okay, we have two more people in four minutes. So I'm going to ask Ellen C. G. to take two minutes and Kathy Oyo to take two minutes. Please go ahead, Ellen. Thank you so much. Um, in looking at um, this paragraph, I, I love it. Um, it speaks about self-confidence, and it speaks about the fact that um, it can be astonishingly difficult to solve once you've lost it. And it seems to me that there are two ways that um, – one way that you have it and one way that you don't. The one way that you have it is you're focused on um, on God, on your higher power, and on on the reality of your situation, that I have a, I'm a compulsive overeater. And the other is that you start to listen to uh, the illness or to other people. When I was in um, Israel, I, they had these things called mikvahs, and you walk down into it dirty, and you cross over a line, and you come out uh, clean. Um, it seems like this is some, to some extent, when we can walk into um, recovery and God's presence and the reality of our illness, and 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 cross that line of 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 um, of reality versus. Uh, the illness and and um, people pleasing. When we can really stay um, in um, what God is calling us to do and the reality of our illness, then we can be clean and we can have self confidence and we can do all the things that we cannot do when we get the wrong focus. And it's it's funny because that line can seem like it's so straight and so powerful, and yet you know with the illness. It can it can be crossed over so easily. So it's just daily daily work, daily work, keeping focused on God and keeping focused on the realities of my illness. And with that, I have the self confidence I need. And with that, thankfully, I pass. Thank you, Ellen C G and Kathy R. You will be our last share. Good morning, everybody. This is Kathy R. in Tampa Bay, Florida. Glad to be on the meeting, and oh my gosh, I, I think the doctor's opinion could go on and on and on and on. We could we could spend months on this. It is the doctor's opinion that got me coming to OA to start with. Several years ago, I had been on another one of those diets that we've all been on. I at this this time I lost a hundred pounds. You know, every time it's more. What's twenty? Then it was thirty. Then it was 40. this time it was a hundred pounds. And I found myself myself sitting in my living room on a Saturday night with a whole bag of those black and white double stuffed round things 
sitting in my lap watching television and God granted me a sight outside myself of what I was doing. I've been in 12-step programs for a long time, but you know, the doctor's opinion never, never clicked like it did that night. And I, the word insanity hit me. I picked up the phone and called OA the next morning and started reading the big book. I, I, I just can't, I, I'm ever so grateful because you know what? I would be right back in that food had I not realized that during that whole time of trying to lose that 100 pounds, I never gave up my binge foods. Sugar was a part of my day every day, even though I was on my diet. It hasn't been until I was able to define and give up my allergic foods that I've made progress in this addiction of food. So I'm so thankful for this meeting. I, I have learned so much over the past year of listening to this meeting. I've remained abstinent and free from the compulsion of, of overeating and of sugar and flour. And it's all because of you guys and you, this meeting and the big book. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Kathy R. We are now at the close of our meeting, and we will close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Millie D., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. I would be happy to. This is Millie D. Uh, today I'm calling from Northern California visiting my son for Thanksgiving. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. <laughs>